One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase. bluenile.com code LISTEN. Three wins on the spin, three clean sheets, and boring the top six. We discuss the performances of Matt Crooks and Saul Bamba. And of course, we chat about the boy wonder, Martin Piero. This is the Borough Breakdown Podcast, and this is all your match day chatter in a pod. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the treadmill. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Martin Piero Show with Johnny Dana and Tom. We are the Piero Podcast that gives you all the matchday Piero in a podcast. And while three wins in a week and results elsewhere, seen Martin's team Middlesbrough climb to sixth place in the championship table, which gives us absolutely nothing to mourn about. So this has been the Borough Breakdown <laughs> Podcast and that I'm joking, I'm joking. Um, but guys, as always, these podcasts, I want, to let you, I want you to tell me how you're feeling in three words. Tom, how are you feeling? Finally looking up. Think, yeah. You know, the last week it's given us something to be a little bit more optimistic about. Uh, I think in all three games, I've seen gradual signs of improvement in, in certain areas. Just want to see us carry it on going forward. Good three words. Dana, what are you going to go with? Yeah, mine's probably much better, Jeff, because, I mean, we have been much better, and it's just, I, I think last podcast we were sort of. Maybe in the middle a little bit, saying I remember I said that it was a good result but not a good performance. I think this week it's a little bit, a little bit further on than that. I think we've um, we've put in some good performances. As Tom said, we've had some good positives to take from the games, and yeah, it's definitely been much much better from Borough. It has been indeed. Um, I'm, I'm gonna my three words are gonna be my NPR show sure has to be, doesn't it? I think with his <laughs> performances this week. But let's break the week down, guys. Um, as it happened, I'm gonna start off with Barnsley first, and obviously goals from uh, Spira and Matt Crooks gave Borough the win against a struggling Barnsley side. Uh, Dana, it, it was a must-win display for Borough. Um, really, I think this this whole week we've pretty much had to win three games in a row. I think that was the the standard from 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 Borough fans. But how would you assess the performance against Barnsley? Yeah, I enjoyed it. To be fair, um, no chips and gr- yeah, no chips and curry though. No chips and curry, which is mm. a bit disappointing. But to be fair, the burger was a good substitute. I quite enjoyed that burger. But yeah, the game was. I mean, it was uh, a game of woeful shooting. To be honest, it had a bit of a comical edge to it and I think the woeful shooting was epitomised probably more so by Duncan Watmore missing from Probably point blank range, yeah, mm-hmm. he definitely maxed the um, the the shooting button and uh, time finishing got it all wrong, didn't he? But yeah, I thought it was a. To be fair, it was a good performance, and there were a lot of, a lot of positives to take from it. I thought Barnsley were very very open, and you spoke about the low block that Peterborough had. I don't think there was any block at all from Barnsley. To be honest, <laughs> they were playing such a high line, and 
I noted it quite a few times that we had Sparrow and Watmore that were playing on the shoulder of the back line and mm. Barnsley played into our hands with that. They were actually lucky that we didn't, that the passes weren't played towards Duncan Watmore and Sparrow when really they, they probably should have been because it could have been. I think there was loads of opportunities for that to have happened and for the for the ball to be played behind the defence and in front of Sparrow and Watmore. But I, I did think that they did play into our hands, but we, we ha- you have to beat what's in front of you, don't you? So, yeah, it was a good performance and a lot of positive to take from it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Tom, Barnsley, on the other hand, they had three glorious chances in that first half. Um, one-on-one, two blocked. Watmore, obviously Mr. Sitter. The game could have went either way really even though it was quite comical at times yeah I, th- I think especially in kind of like that first five minutes um you know i, I was saying to uh, i said to dinner at the time like they should have probably scored with that one that they hit the post with and then they had a uh, you know enough glorious chance like a couple of minutes earlier than that um and they could have easily if if one of those had went in it could have easily been a very different game. Uh, they could have just sat back and, and kind of played for, for the, the one-goal lead that they would have had. Um, but thankfully, they didn't go in. Um, I think we had a lot more chances in that game um, th- than they did, though we could have won that by a larger margin than we ended up doing. Obviously, you mentioned what Moore's mi- uh, missed there. Um, don't know how he missed it, to be honest. <laughs> but... Actually, I know I, I do kind of know I missed that because I do that enough on a Friday night. You do but, do that a lot on a Friday night, yeah. You but do. Um, yeah, uh, like I say, we, we we could have won that by by quite a few more. Um, I think it just kind of balanced out in the end. Uh, some of the ones that were missed. Mm, absolutely, I think I felt the worst a little bit when 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 Bamba slipped, of course, and then we see you know that one on one. I thought, oh god, it was he a flashback to that Leeds game where it, he did it. It was, yeah. yeah. We must he must have PTSD from that from that memory, but like. Like I said, it was a uh, when when that miss happened, the confidence of Barnsley really did drop, and I thought that they they were aside. I think they just needed just that, that one bit of luck at times, and, and yeah, I appreciate the apple and Sheffield United now. So we'll have to come back to you in a second, uh, Tom and Arani Pie in the sky. Um, <laughs> but they were looking to play a possession style, Tom, and they were dispossessed sixteen times in the game, which was the most. Uh, this season bar Cardiff uh, <laughs> getting bar Cardiff on Saturday but why do you think that was why do you think, what do you think Borough did to try and win the ball back so quickly well I, I thought we pressed well uh, against them but also I, I, I do feel like the the lack of confidence for them showed I think at times they were just picking the wrong passes and trying to overcomplicate it uh, I'll give credit as well uh, to, to Matt Crooks because I think in the last three games in I mean, I wouldn't even say a holding midfielder role, but kind of where it's been him and Piero in midfield, I do think both of them have won the ball back quite well. Crooks especially so. Um, I mentioned last week against Peterborough, Dembele kept trying to go past him and he, he was you know, winning all the duels against him. Um, I think we've just seen, seen more of it um, in the last couple of games as well. I thought he's done really well in that role. Yeah, well, let's chat about uh, Matt Crooks then really quickly because... Filling in a CDM, Dana, Housen's been moving out wide to right back. Sometimes like, the best tactical moves, what you're seeing, are the ones that are by accident or are forced upon you. Um, but the tree's been tremendous in that deep role, hasn't he? He's, he's, he's found some roots. There you go, more tree jokes, there you go. Um, that was a good one. But why, why do you think he's been able to, to fill in that role so well? I think because he's just got a lot of attributes that allows him to be versatile. I know that there's been a lot said about him playing centre-back, which I'm really not surprised about, but we put a stat up on Twitter, didn't we, about Matt Crooks after that game, the, the game against Barnsley, and 
as was pointed out in the Gazette as well, those stats were really well-rounded. I think four interceptions, four tackles, one clearance, but also two key passes and a goal and 75% passing accuracy, which was one of the highest in the game because our passing accuracy in the Barnsley game was quite down um, generally. But he's just I think he's just a player that, He's got so he's so well rounded that he can probably fill in different positions. And I did say last podcast that I don't really want to see him play there long term. Mm. But after the last change your mind a little bit, I wouldn't say definitely. I think we need to play against teams that maybe aren't struggling, so we can see because there's still moments where I thought maybe we're a little bit open in midfield. But I don't necessarily mind that because it allows the likes of Piero and Crooks himself to attack more and to be a little bit more on the front foot, which is something that I, I wanted Borough to be when we weren't getting the results. So I don't really mind him there, to be honest. It remains to be seen whether that form will continue against better opposition. I know we've got a tougher run coming up, but he's been pretty much faultless, to be honest, whilst he's played that. I've been really impressed with him. Mm, he's really branched out in different positions, isn't he? Oh, God. Uh, but Tom... Uh, in on that. <laughs> I know, Tom... Um, he is really becoming a fan favourite on Teesside, Matt Crooks. But what what, what, do you, what do you like about him the most? Because he just seems to he seems to fulfil his potential. I thought much. you were thinking of, of another tree mention there. <laughs> no, I was oh, could have been. Um, he's just found you know. <laughs> I don't believe he can. Yeah, I believe he can. Oh. He's really found <laughs> he's found home soil really beneficial. Um, <laughs> but no, like he's he's becoming a fan favourite on Teesside. But why do you think that is? Because He's just, well, is he because he's been fantastic on the pitch or what do you think there is to it? Well, I think you can see the effort that he puts in and how consistently he can do it. I think he's had a couple of bad games, but who hasn't this season? Like, um, I think it goes back to something we said on one of the earlier pods in the season. Um, and it goes back even further to when Warnock was saying last season, uh, we want kind of people putting in seven and eight performances consistently, uh, as he was saying when we signed like the likes of Grant Hall, etc. Um, I think Matt Crooks does that. I think he is one of the more consistent players in this team, and he offers a lot when when he's in, when he's playing. Um, so it, it's it's given us kind of more of a, a a sort of spine to the team. I think at the moment, which you know, he, he's a big part of that. Mm, absolutely, Dana. What do you think? Literally a big part of it as well. What, what do you think about the same? Do you think, why do you think he's becoming a, a fan favourite? Well, I think you can tell that he really wants to be at this club. I remember after he scored against Bristol City, and Matt Drury from BBC Two Sport was interviewing him, and he said that he had a big opportunity at Rangers, and he didn't quite take it, or it didn't quite work out for him. So this is basically that second chance for him to be at a big club, and. In fairness, he is taking it. And, and Borough fans, we love a grafter, don't we? We love somebody that puts in the effort. And I think he does that. And, you know, for it, I always, I'm always quite impressed by Matt Crooks because for a big lad, and I know Paul Warren at Rotherham called him a wardrobe on legs, he, you know, <laughs> he's very mobile, isn't he? And technically, there was that um, passage of play against Peterborough where he intercepted a pass. In a sort of, it was almost in a centre back area, and then he really neat footwork in a tight area to give it to Piero. Then Piero turned and and basically fed it back to Matt Crooks. And it's it's moments like that that impress me the most because when you look at him and his frame, you don't expect him to be so good on the ball, but he is. You could have nicknamed him the Crab probably after the last couple of games because of his position, average position throughout the games. I think for me as well, I much prefer him in a in a deeper role to what. Housen plays in that role and mm. um, for me I think Housen it sounds a bit harsh but I feel like Housen hides sometimes when when, he, when we're in possession I think sometimes with 
when we're looking to get on the front foot, we are forced to play it long when Housen does play in that role because he he just seems to like that that space. It just seems he he, he seems to find space <laughs> behind the attackers. Do you know what I mean? Where it makes it quite difficult to for on the transition. But with with Crooks, he's always in that space. He's always trying to get us on the turn and, and get us to play out. And I think mm. that's where we've seen really really good like. Well, we've benefited from it because we're a passing... T- the, the team players that we have are very passing-orientated. They keep yeah. it on the deck, you know, try and get the ball up the pitch and play through teams. And I think we can do that with Crooks. I think he's he's been a instrumental part in, in Borough's season so far. And, and hopefully he, stick, he, he stays there. I think after these last couple of games, I think with Housen playing at right-back and McNair in defence as well, I think we've looked quite balanced. So hopefully we can see that in... In the next few weeks, or I'm, so. I'm starting to really like the partnership between him and Piero as well. Mm. Um, I, I think it was last week, or, or maybe in our group chat when we were talking about the um, the article that had went out about Crooks kind of like taking Piero under under his wing a little bit and kind of showing him where he needs to be on the pitch at times. And you can see that on the pitch as well. Uh, I think when Piero scored yesterday, <laughs> Crooks was the first person to be celebrating with him. I think, I think he celebrated just as much as Piero did, didn't he? Yeah. I think they were pretty much in sync with the way their, their arms went out when uh, when, the, when the ball hit the back of the net. And I was like the whole of tea, so I probably celebrated Piero's goal yesterday. Yeah. Well, let's let's yeah. chat about the game then against Cardiff, the El Jurassico, um, as it was <laughs> quoted by Prutton on a, on the <laughs> AFL show as well, Tom, so congratulations <laughs> on that one. Um, but Middlesbrough recorded their third win in the week, of course, with goals from Andres Barai again and Martin Pajero. Or Piero or Pichero, however you want to say it. Um, <laughs> you said Pichero. <laughs> uh, hey, it's a Sky's posted. There was there weren't, there weren't saying Piero. That's what they want for sure. Um, but the skewer two and a win over Cardiff City. Nick McCarthy, of course, the the apprentice, got sacked after that um, eight games in a row for him, and then and unfortunately he's lost his job with Chris Wilder, the favourite to take over there. Um, but Tom, how would you rate the performance in comparison to the other wins this week? Um, yeah, I, th- I thought it was a really good performance. Um, and also, kind of, as I was saying earlier, we've seen gradually uh, some improvements throughout the week as well. Um, like we said last week, it was a good result against Peterborough, but it wasn't necessarily a good performance. Um, we didn't kind of look likely to score until, what, the 85th minute or something when we got the penalty. Um, but that kind of gave us the platform to build from uh, against Barnsley. Like we said, they, they missed a couple of great chances, but we created a lot of chances ourselves. Uh, seeing gradual improvement, uh, gradual improvement in that game, and then even more in Cardiff game. I, I thought I thought they were poor, but we did kind of make them pay for that, and you, you can see it um, on, on some of the, the players, um, kind of how confident they're feeling now. Because I thought Piero yesterday at times looked unplayable. Uh, I think Bamba looks absolutely fantastic in, in the last few games. Um, Obviously, we mentioned Matt Crooks as well. Uh, Sparar seems to be coming into his own as well. So it, it does seem like we've got a lot to a lot to build from there. I'll come to Piero and Sol Bamber in a second. But was it a case of Borough playing bad or were Car- oh, sorry, were Borough playing Borough playing well? Sorry, <laughs> or Cardiff just being so bad because they looked like a team yesterday who just didn't really want to know, did they? Yeah, they looked like a team that had lost seven games in a spin on on the spin. To be honest, they were woeful. I think probably the worst team that we've played this season. And I will put it out there: this is merely an observation, and you can take from it what you will. But we have played some very, very poor teams. I'm oh, thinking. Uh, no, I agree. Probably, arguably, the three worst teams in the league this season so far. Yeah, I would say Hull 
um, Barnsley and Peterborough are the three worst teams generally in the league. Um, obviously, Barnsley last season, you wouldn't really put them in that category, but the way that they play, they've lost, obviously, Alex Moyer, the manager. And I was having a bit of a read-up. They've lost a lot of people in the backroom staff as well, mm-hmm. um, but we have played some awful teams. Um, even going back to Bristol City, the first home game, I thought they were poor bar Alex Scott who was probably their bright spark in that game. So Cardiff has really continued that trend of playing really awful teams. And I think what sums it up the most is that James Collins, their striker, was probably better defensively than he was offensively. Mm. And he probably had more defensive actions than attacking actions, which I think says it all. They were really, really bad. Their midfield... I mean, it was laughable, really, because a midfield of Marlon Pack and Will Vox is probably the most just-cheese sandwich midfield I think I've ever come across. And they both weren't good enough. I think midfield, again, just like the Barnsley game, they were so open. And I think you spoke about the half spaces against Barnsley. We were exploiting the half spaces against Cardiff as well because there was just spaces either side of both of those midfielders. And, yeah, it was pretty abject performance. Having said that, though... What people will always say and what I do agree with as well is that you can only beat what's in front of you. And Bora had to do a job and they did a job and I thought we were really effective at it. And it was a good performance from us. Mm. Yeah, I've noticed in the last couple of games we've played a bit more narrow as a team. Our wingers seem to be occupying that half space rather than the the, the the width, really. So it's interesting to see that we're trying to, mainly, mainly hopefully, trying to attack on that diamond as, as a Neil Warnock team used to really tell that. But Tom, Dana alluded to it there around, around Cardiff tactically and, and how the players... and. Mick McCarthy, he seemed to set up his team to pay homage towards the Conga yesterday um, in the average <laughs> positions. Um, why, why do you think he was he was doing that? Is he just do you think he's just a party fan or what, what, what happened there? Well, I, I think when you look at it, they were all kind of drifting over towards the right hand side of the pitch, and that's where we were threatening most. And you look at where we were attacking from; it was Tav, it was Piero playing on the right side of that midfield, and it was House and overlapping. And then you look on the other side; Peltier wasn't getting forward so much, and why would we expect him to? It's not the, the type of role he plays. Uh, and Hernandez had a bit of a quiet game as well. Um, I, I thought the the average positions were laughable when you look at them because it is, like you say, exactly like a conga line, <laughs> other than like one or two outliers. Um, but I, I think it is just because we found the area to attack down the right hand side, and that's where all our threat was coming from. Mm, absolutely, but Dana, tactically, then three wins in a week, um, three clean sheets, four well, four wins in five now. Um, tactically, what do you think Neil Warnock's done to to get Middlesbrough to to get these wins over the line? Do you think we've turned a corner? Probably too early to say whether we've turned a corner just because, again, I will say, and this might be me being negative, but I I can't really escape from thinking that we have played three very, very poor teams. Um, But what's changed, I think, the personnel. I think he's playing players and and players in midfield as well that can get hold of the ball, whereas a lot of the time we've... And a lot of our criticism has been towards Warnock and the tactics bypassing the midfield... Um, but I think we are playing it in those midfield areas now, and we're seeing the best, the better technical players really come to the fore. I think Martin Piero, of course, who'd have thought give him game time, and then he shows his qualities. and And I will say, Sparar as well has been absolutely fantastic. The movement that he has, but also the link up player. There was a lot to be said about Borough's decision-making in the final third yesterday. It left a lot to be desired. But with Sparrow, I think he really emerged with credit because he was always looking for who was around him. There was a point in which he tried to 
almost didn't get over the top for Jones. It was just a little bit too high for him. But the fact that he spotted that opportunity, I think, is fantastic. And his link-up play is really, really good. Um, goal and assist as well, so you can't really complain with that. But, yeah, I think the personnel, and particularly the personnel in midfield, switching um, McNair back into defence and then uh, housing in defence has allowed us to play on the front foot, which is something I've really, really wanted us to do. So I would definitely put it down to... The players that were that were playing the defensive injury crisis has actually been a bit of a blessing in disguise because it's allowed these players to to start playing on the mm. front foot and to play a more I wouldn't say more attacking but definitely more risky almost because we do have gaps in midfield we don't have a an out and out defensive midfielder so you're going to be a little bit open but I think it's well obviously it has worked we've uh, three wins on the bounce it's um, mm. it's pretty good. You're absolutely spot on with the with the midfielders as well. L- long balls have actually decreased this week um, with with Crooks and Piero in the team and centrally as well. I think that really benefits us as well. I think as a team, when I was saying at the start of the show, we're we're a very very good side on on the ball. I mean, when mm. when we get when we get it and we we st- we we, play, we want to play, and I think this is why we we were saying like on previous shows around like Alex Neil potentially taking over because his style would be very well suited to what we would have. I'm not saying. Like you know, to sack Nick Warnock out and get uh, Alex Neal in now, but I'm saying what he would probably bring to the table would really benefit this side. I think what we've got as a team is probably underrated with the, the quality that we've got. I think with Piero there, Cro- um, Crooks is very very good. You've also got uh, like an international in Paddy McNair who can really spray a ball, and mm. I think I think we're we're a good side going forward. I think sometimes it doesn't click, does it? And I think the decision making, of course, I think even like you were saying yesterday, Tom, if Borad decision making be one out of ten or something on football manager. I oh, know that was Elliot. I was Elliot. Mistaken identity. Um, sorry, <laughs> two uh, football manager addicts and I. Would I know, yeah, I just replaced one with another one, didn't I? Um, but like, that was like I was saying. I think with the decision making, it can be a lot better. And if it does, and it does get better, then wow, we we could be a, a very very good side um, mm. in, in this division. But we've said this all along. We've said like, look, this is a good team. We're just not fulfilling what we think we should we should where we should be really. Yeah, what I will say actually to add to your point about um, Paddy McNair sort of spraying the ball from defence. Sol Bamba is so good at doing that. Mm. There was times in the Sheffield United game. Um, well, actually, it led to the. Uh, the Watmore goal where he just pinged it perfectly towards Mark Baller and his passes out from the back are so measured. They're so he's so calm on the ball. He just takes that split second to compose himself, to look up and to execute a pass. And I think that's probably one of the most underrated. I haven't really seen many people point out about Sol Bamba, but there were a few times yesterday where he did it. And that's what we miss with Grant Hall and Dale Fry. I would love for them to to just take that second to look up what's on essentially because we've got the movement there with with Sparan and when Watmore's on the pitch with Watmore as well um and then the wingers I just I wish we could see that with them too because with them too it is I do think it is quite hopeful with them that they'll put it into an area but with Bamba it seems as though he gives it to a player rather than just punting it into an area yeah well let's chat about Sol Bamba then um because Yesterday uh, against Cardiff, and this is from the stats from match day 365, um, and Sol Bamba yesterday, 14 clearances is a season high. Three block shots, and that's a season high as well. Three tackles, seven aerial duels won, which was which was a match high. 100% ground duels won, and he also won one of the match on Sky Sports, which 
which was uh, on our checklist, Sky Sports Bingo. They ticked every single one, and it was only <laughs> before kickoff. Um, <laughs> that uh, was impressive. But Tom, how how impressed have you been with Saul Bamba? I know Dana was uh, really praising him there, but how impressed have you been? He's been, he's been magnificent, hasn't he? Yeah, I, I think it was against Sheffield United where I said it was one of the best centre back performances since, I've seen since since, since Woodgate yeah, was okay. playing for us, and that was Woodgate the first time, not the second time. Uh, and he's just kind of carried on. He's, he has been consistent. Um, obviously, when we were first linked with him, I wasn't really sure on it. I think my exact words were "if we have to" or something like that. But <laughs> which, which was like understandable given his, his age. You know, like he hasn't played football in, in a long period of time. Yeah, and I think my overriding memory of him was that slip against uh, against mm. us when he was playing for Leeds. And yeah. I was, like, I, I can't really. Imagine, well, I mean, he did the same thing for us, but thankfully he didn't result in a goal. But I was like, oh, I can't imagine the signing him. But he's, I'm very happy to be proven wrong with him. Um, he's just been incredibly consistent. And I think what, what's been good for for the team as a whole is the fact that he can organise that defence and he reads the game so well. Um, I think that's that's rubbing off on the other players in, in defence and kind of around the, the centre midfield area as well. He's been a, a big help to everyone. Do you think he's bringing that, bringing that leadership quality then? Yeah, absolutely. I think him and Peltier to a, a lesser extent, and it, it kind of sometimes goes unnoticed with him, but you can see the experience that we've got in that back line now and, and how well those two can read the game. Um, Bamba specifically, uh, like I say, helps organise things uh, extremely well, I think. Mm, absolutely. So, although he's playing fantastically well, Dana, when Fry and Hall return, can you see Bamba getting in that 11? Yeah. I can st- I can see him. Who for then? Because Hall. Hall. Yeah. yeah. So would, would you keep us? As a, would you keep us as a three? Maybe McNair, Fry, and and Bamba. Potentially, yeah. I mean, purely Peltier, but yeah, we'll probably say that because you can't drop him on the form that he's been putting in. I mean, quite rightly, the last two Sky games, he's been man of the match. Um, the performance yesterday, brilliant. I think. I, I echo Tom's thoughts about the leadership. He's he's so fun to watch actually because he's he brings his personality to the pitch, doesn't he? He just looks like he's loving it and it's quite infectious. Um I remember against oh, was it against um I don't know, it was against Peterborough where he just had a word with a referee just before the corner where um we got the penalty. And then after McNair was felled he was just like yep well I told you so and it was just I don't know it was funny to see and, and he's been absolutely superb his, his reading of the game is fantastic yes he might lack that pace but it doesn't it hasn't really mattered really has it the past couple of games he's just so calm in situations he's there getting involved with a physical battle he's blocking everything he's making those interceptions, making those tough tackles. Really wasn't surprised when his shirt was ripped yesterday because it was that physical contest um, against Cardiff and he was well up for it. And it's been really good to see him perform, obviously after his recovery from cancer. And I think he's been absolutely superb. So I, to be honest, I wouldn't drop him. Mm. Uh, interestingly, when, when he was playing against uh, Sheffield United and what I have seen in the previous games, he sets the tempo of the ball as well. I think when he watch Mills was play, when he gets his foot on the ball, you know he's trying to get that out wide straight away. And sometimes in previous games where we've been opting to try to play the long ball, he's always the one that's dictating that every time. I mean, even was at Cardiff, he was coming in that midfield trying to set, uh, get get Cardiff on the counter attack. 
it's, he's a very influential player, and I think he's been very, very good for us. I think McNair probably takes that role a little bit more now, I think, just with McNair's ability. Um, but overall, I think Sullivan has been absolutely fantastic. I couldn't, I, I couldn't say one bad word about his performances. Mm. I think he's been absolutely... And that's telling, isn't it? I mm. think that just shows how superb he's been. He's yeah. been faultless, to yeah, be honest. absolutely faultless. But in terms of, of that defence then, because... A lot was said about this makeshift backline uh, over the last few games, and people were saying, "Oh, how are we going to call?" But Housen, McNair, Bamba, Peltier. There's 1,439 games between them. Four promotions. Paddy's playing at national football. It's makeshift, but is it really a bad defence, though? No, it really isn't. I think it's. You know what? The thing that I really like about Borough playing a three at the back is the players that we have bringing the ball into deep midfield areas. Paddy was so advanced yesterday in that sort of right-hand channel because obviously Cardiff was so open defensively and they were offering pretty much nothing on the on the counter-attack and, or just in attack in general. So Paddy was allowed that space to roam into that area and I really do like that from Borough. And I would say... Paddy's better. Well, I've said it before. I think Paddy's better in a mid, in a defensive three than he is in midfield, and also Johnny Housen is a bloody good right back. Mm. He really is. And I was I remember tweeting it a couple of years ago that I've never rated Housen in midfield, and I got a few puzzled replies because of course his entire career he's been a midfielder, and it's a long and successful career at that, but. In a Borussia, I think he's performed better in defence than he has in midfield. And I think we've seen it the past few games. And we've spoken to Robbie Stockdale and Dean Whitehead, haven't we? Who, I think, didn't Robbie Stockdale start out as a striker? And moved into right back. And moved into right back, yeah. And then obviously Dean Whitehead debutised there um, against Man City and a couple of other games as well. Played it, right I think back it's, in the playoff final too. Yeah, it... it, it I mean, they were saying how it's a bit of a different and better perspective because the game's in front of you, whereas in midfield, you've got mm. space to your left, your right, in front of you, behind you. I think that's what catches Housen out. It's off the ball, isn't it? You were mentioning it earlier about off the ball. And I think that's where it sort of falls a little bit below the standard with Housen, mm. or probably his own yeah. standard. Look, look where Housen was a few seasons ago. He could have played number 10. He was absolutely brilliant most consistent player in the championship by a country mile, will go down as probably one of the greatest players in the championship, arguably, in terms of consistency. I think right now, given that... Old Van Housen again. Um, <laughs> I think right back right now is the perfect position for him, just because, mm. look, you might, you're going to come up against Percy Wingers, but the way he reads the game on that right hand, on the right-hand side, has the whole game in front of him, it just suits him down to a team now. And he'll come back down to where he was playing probably number 10 at times, where... You know, his, his focus, I think, was at Leeds and I think just a little bit at, um, at Norwich as well, where he was just filling that number 10, just doing a bit of a free roam and then just looking just to spray the ball here and there. Very simplified part of the game. On the right-hand side, he can just do that now. And I think he did it under Jonathan Woodgate really consistently. I think that's probably his position now. I'd be very interested to see what, what happens when Dyke Steele comes back. Does he drop to the bench and we have Dykes back in, or do we keep House in there? It, it's but what it's done is it's created options, Don, hasn't it? So <laughs> it has, yeah. And I mean, I think Dykes deals out for a further two or three weeks, maybe, maybe longer. So I wouldn't be mad at seeing Johnny House and play right back. I, I actually really, really like him there. Mm. Tom, what's what's your thoughts then? Because uh, this defense, you know, four it's four wins of five, four clean sheets now. It's building consistency, of course, but what's your thoughts on the defence? Do you think it's it's something that can get Borough by? 
I mean, yeah, but we can succeed with that defence as well. Um, I think looking at it, three out of the four mentioned are natural defenders. So at least McNair was trained as one and then moved into midfield and started doing the okey-cokey between midfield <laughs> and defence. Uh, and, and I agree with what you guys were saying there in terms of house, and I think he's playing extremely well at right-back. Um, what we'll say as well, I think there's always the impression, and I think it was the, the same case with Downing as well, that... You know, being mid thirties in age equals a complete drop in pace. But I, I think Housen's still quite quick. I think there've been times when he's overlapped, like in the last few games, where I think, ah, oh, he's never getting that, and then he still comes out with the ball or you know, through balls played on on the overlap, and he gets there as well. I think he's still got the the quickness to play right back and and do well there. So I'm, I'm be quite happy to see him play there in the in the next few games as well. Yeah, um, like we're saying, he's got when the options come back. We just see how, how Warnock uh, changes things. But in terms of changing things, Martin Piero, you know, he, he's he's finally announced himself in the championship. Um, look, we we said along this guy needs games, and he once he once he does start to play, he will really flourish. Um, go on, Dana, talk to me about Martin Piero. Yeah, he's been brilliant, hasn't he? And even in when he's maybe not in the game as much, even when he does get the ball, you can see the quality that he has. And what impresses me the most about him, and it fits into the offensive jewels category if you look at the statistic metrics, but it's his strength on the ball that he can... How many shoved? Um, I think it was Jordan Williams off the ball after he megged him against Barnsley, which was, which was quite... Quite fantastic, to be honest. But when he's on the ball, he's got the technical ability to get past him. You've seen, I think he's wrapped up a, a few megs already so far. Um, but it's also the physicality, the shielding of the ball, protecting it, manipulating his body so that it basically shuts off any sort of defender intercepting the ball or taking it off him. And, yeah, he's got he's got great quality, hasn't he? And when, when he scored yesterday... I liken the celebration to when Luke Shaw scored against Italy. I mean, it wasn't quite like that because I wasn't screaming down the street, <laughs> but it was just this euphoria of, of seeing it happen. And um, I think it would have been even better for the the travelling Mora fans that went to Cardiff yesterday. Just to be honest, there was a moment in the game where I thought it's it's going to happen at some point, and lo and behold, it did. And it was to be honest, it was a fantastic goal because it started with Tav, who's been getting a lot of criticism, I think, which is quite unjust, I think in my opinion. But it starts with Tav on that right-hand side. Um, I think Housen works it as well, doesn't he? And um, Sparat, again, fantastic, really fantastic from Sparat to to hold the ball off for a split second and lay it off for Piero. His first touch opens up that space and then he um, he just guides it into the corner, doesn't he? And it was just fantastic. He's You can tell he's a talent and I'm really glad that he's getting the game time now. Can, what a week it's been for him, by the way. He gets a personalised barbecue and then he scores his first four goal. <laughs> I know, yeah. What dreams are made of. If Carlsberg did weeks. <laughs> yeah. One of those achievements is better than the other. <laughs> it's the barbecue. <laughs> Definitely. I want a personalised barbecue. I mean, who doesn't? Uh, yeah, exactly. Two days a year where it's sunny up here would be great. He'll <laughs> uh, be using it more than two times a year. Maybe three, ta- maybe three times a year, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> he'll be he'll be using that. Uh, but Tom Matt Piero, come on, talk to me about him. Yeah, it's fantastic. And they, I think you can tell as well that his confidence must be sky high at the moment. Um, the last couple of midweek games at the Riverside, I think we've seen two kind of very different sides of him. I remember the Sheffield United game during the half-time warm-ups, we've seen him kind of walking out of the tunnel and he just kind of looked 
you know, a bit down, a bit dejected and stuff. Mm. Uh, against Barnsley, he was, you know, doing keep you ups in the middle of the pitch, knocking it over people's heads and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> it was like it's a completely different player. Um, and then against Cardiff, he could you could just see some of the some of the plays he's making. Uh, you know, being quite physical and holding people off the ball, uh, being able to pick, you know, pitch perfect pass. Like it, it's he's just playing so well. And I sent you guys uh, a screenshot of just some random Banfield fan on YouTube because I was watching the highlights of the game yesterday, <laughs> uh, and and this guy was saying like I'm surprised to see him playing that fo- that advanced for Borough because he used to play in a, a deep lying role for for Banfield and let's. Oh, Galopo. Galopo, that was his name, yeah. Um, let him do um, all, all the work getting forward. And he said, I, I really didn't expect him to be this good kind of in the championship and in an advanced role, but he, he really is. And he's, you know, I, I can see him being quite a vital player for the rest of the season. Yeah, he definitely could be. I think, like we were saying there, he, he was a player that just needed games. I know there's, there's times to adjust and all this kind of stuff, but. I think it's a cop out. I think he need, he needed games. He needed to play to adjust. And I think on Sky they were saying, "No, oh, uh, Piero was saying, no, oh, it, it was not like four or five games where I would have this much intensity. It's every game in the championship. Well, if he was one to get just to the championship, he had to play those games. Yeah. Like, you know, 100%. like he would have probably fed in probably a lot quicker than what we anticipated if he if he was playing those games and getting more game time and. Unfortunately, I think the Olesanya versus Pierre Ward uh, minutes chat will probably die a death soon if he continues to performances like that. Um, but let's let's move to questions. Um, obviously, every week we ask you guys for questions for the podcast and you submit them and we answer them. And the first one is from our friend Dom Shaw. He says, is it Piero, Pichero or Pajero? Um What is it? What is it? Are we pronouncing Martin Piero or Pichero or Pajero uh, or... <laughs> I don't know even know what to say or anymore. Dave. Or just 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 call <laughs> him Todd. Just call him just Todd. <laughs> <laughs> in the kid reference, very good. Um, uh, or should we just call him Big Martin? Uh, Big Martin might be a shout. Call him Big Martin, but yeah, we we found a video of didn't we of him saying it, and he said Pichero, but. One of our listeners who goes by um, SM Gates on Twitter did say that that is the accent of him. Um, so the sh comes from the accent. So we should call him Piero. But I don't know. Because I thought that Sky Sports had like a pronunciation list from clubs of like obviously how to pronounce each player's name. So I kind of, when he, when they said that, they said it in maybe the Reading game. I was thinking, right, so it's Pichero then. But I don't know whether it is or not. That's my definitive answer I don't know but I, I, I do trust her some gates though a, I think a bit of behind the scenes kind of media stuff when I was doing my work experience at Real Radio and went to Karanka's press conference we had to put kind of a in brackets pronunciation so it was like Karanka oh I um, need that so <laughs> so people stop calling me Dana <laughs> I was named after a Gillian Anderson character Dana Scully. I just thought you, you were named after Dana White. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was. <laughs> or the Irish singer from Eurovision. So, <laughs> so going, going back to, to that uh, behind-the-scenes stuff there, I wouldn't be surprised if Sky Sports have had a pronunciation thing uh, put through to them, but I always thought it was Piero based on what Erson Gates was saying. We were saying Piero, weren't we, Johnny, for yeah. God knows how long, and then Erson Gates did point out that we were saying we should say Piero, so I'm just going to say Piero from here on in. I'm just calling him Big Sexy Martin now from <laughs> now on. Isn't that Spira's uh, name? Sexy Spira, we've got... Ass cheeks, uh, Anthony. Oh. Anthony. <laughs> yeah, well, you said it, Dana. Uh, that was not me. <laughs> Disclaimer: it wasn't me. 
<laughs> I'm joking. Uh, well, next question we've got is from Andy. He says, "Do you think Warnock will change things once our injury crisis uh, crisis lessens? We've been forced into playing attacking formation. I hope he doesn't revert uh, to tight one ball at Dyke Steel, etc. When they're all available, um, injury crisis. Do you think Warnock will change things? Um, he probably will." But I don't know whether he will straight away. I think some people have said that it might be better to let them fight for their place back because, I mean, three clean sheets in a row, it's it's pretty good going. And I think individually the performances have been good as well from our back line. So it would be difficult to change things around. I mean, I don't know the time frame of when Ball is back, for example. Dyke Steel must be about two or three weeks away. Frying Hall are a couple of weeks, aren't they? So... It might just be a case if they all come back at the same time and then Warnock's a little bit like, oh, what do I do here? But it's going to be a headache, isn't it? Because Bamba's been playing so well. I think Paddy's so good in defence. Um, and Housen's been really good at, at right-back as well. So, to be honest, I would keep it the same. But this is me having said that after a run of games that I keep saying it, but it was favourable for Borough. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, Peterborough didn't offer anything... Um, offensively, really, apart from maybe a couple of dribbles from um, Sariki Dembele, Barnsley, we had they had a couple of opportunities in there that we probably got got away with, um, and then Cardiff were pretty abject going forward. But that's not to take anything away from the defensive performances. I think we have been really solid, and and I've really liked our defence the last handful of games. Mm-hmm. So for the, for the next one, it, it, it segues quite nicely for this one. Thomas from Charlie says three games, three clean sheets with Paddy and Sol at the back. Would you bring would you bring Fry and Hall uh, back in when they're fit? Um, so do you think this is do you think this lineup and personal is our best team as well? So would you bring Fry and Hall back in? And is this this currently our best personal? Well, I always subscribe to the saying that you don't change a winning team. Um, so for me, even if they came back next week for Birmingham, I still wouldn't swap it. I'd, I'd start them on the bench and let them fight their way back into the team. You know, we had three clean sheets over the last week. Uh, Bamba's been playing absolutely out of his skin. You know, McNair's been playing well. I don't see any reason to to drop either of them to to bring Friar Hall back in. So on form, it probably is our best um, best formation at the moment. Obviously, if that changes, we've got options done, so we can bring them <laughs> back in. Um, but you know, we, we don't need to change it at the moment. Okay, then, so next question is from Jack. He says, would you keep Housen at right back? Seems as if he's since he's gone there, not only do we seem more solid down that side, but our midfield seems 10 times more creative. Um, so keep him right back, Tom? Yeah, I would for the moment. Like I say, don't don't change a winning team. And, you know, it, it's resulted in, you know, that Crux-Pierro partnership in centre midfield uh, blossoming, really. Um, I think both of them played extremely well. Um, and like we were saying for, for weeks before, and, uh, you know, we need to start playing it through the middle, playing it on the floor. We've started doing that and started getting results as well. So, yeah, just just keep things going as they are and hopefully get a get a result on Birmingham to build off as well. Yeah, I think Warlock's been listening to our podcast. I mean, everything, <laughs> everything that we've said that you should be doing, we are starting to do winning, so... All yeah. we do is slag the players off, though, uh, don't yeah, we? Yeah, we do, yeah, sorry. Um, how dare they? Uh, but next question is from Dave. He says, not your actual dad, Dave. Um, it would be funny if it was. Um, it says, how pivotal is Matt Crooks? Uh, so many players have benefited from him coming deeper. Obviously, Piero Housen, Bamba and Spira. Um How pivotal is Matt Crooks? I know you said it about it earlier, but... 
Yeah, he's he's really important. I did say before the Barnsley game that he's underappreciated and he's a little bit slept on. I think there was a moment where he almost hit a little bit of a lull with Matt Crooks that he started the season strongly and it, it just dipped a little bit. But then obviously moving him into a deep midfield position has just, I mean, he's so well-rounded, as I've mentioned, that it has allowed for, it, it's been a bit of a good domino of, as Dave mentioned, it's really benefited other players in the team as well. And yeah, he's at present, he's probably the, one of the most important players in the team and his performances are definitely feeding into that. Okay, well, let's chat about Birmingham then. Um, And this week we spoke to Gab Sutton, um, who is from the EFL debate, the League of 72 and BBC squad goals. But first, before we get to Gab, let's uh, a quick message from our sponsor, the MND Association. We want to make a difference on the podcast this year, and we need your help to do it. We've partnered with the Morton Neuron Disease Association, which is a charity incredibly close to myself and my family. In 2015, my mother was diagnosed with MND, and I saw firsthand the deterioration of somebody that I loved. If you don't already know, Morton Neuron Disease is fatal, and gradually takes away a person's ability to walk, talk, eat, drink, and breathe. Thanks to the MNDA, my mother was able to communicate despite no longer being able to speak. Please give what you can to help them continue this fantastic support to www.justgiving.com forward slash the borough breakdown MND. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I think Birmingham City season so far is going to plan. I've had one or two sort of debates with other fans about this because obviously a seven-game winless run, which was before that 2-1 win over Swansea, you know, it does make people a little bit nervous when you go that long uh, without victory. But apart from losing 3-0 at Peterborough, I don't feel like there's been an awful lot wrong with performances. I think in almost all our games this season, bar maybe the Peterborough game and possibly the Stoke Stoke at home, which was uh, which was quite even, we drew nil-nil. All of the games we've shaded or had by far the better chances in, I would say. Uh, or certainly it's been it's been very even and I think Peterborough the three nil loss there was was very much an outlier. And um that hasn't always manifested itself in results. So I think for a couple of reasons, really. Um, I think sometimes up top, there's been question marks about whether we've got that complete centre forward that can run the channels, that can hold the ball up, and that's got enough mobility to play as a lone striker. And actually, our best form this season came when Lukas Djukovic uh, was paired with Scott Hogan. But neither of those strikers last season really thrived um, uh, on their own up top under under Aitor Karanka. Uh, I'm sure you've seen it but Middlesbrough in the Karanka sides where if you're quite defensive and then you've got Alvaro Negredo, who scored loads of goals for, for Man City, up top with Edin Dzeko. And then for your lot, he just doesn't get the same. Service. And I suppose it's a, it's been a similar it was a similar story under Ike Cranker for either of those two really. So Bowyer's pretty set on two up top. That's what he did at Charlton as well. But I think it suits Djukovic and Hogan. But actually, uh, in that two-one victory over Swansea, it was Troy Deeney paired with um, with Scott Hogan in a three-four-one-two system, which Lee Bowyer has used throughout. Actually, and you know, people have quite, have sort of questioned that and asked for him to maybe change, maybe go to a four-three-three or play one up top. Um, I think I'll, I even suggested a 4-3-3 at one point. But I kind of like that Lee Bowyer doesn't change for the sake of changing. He doesn't change to be seen to be trying to get a reaction out of his players. If he does make a change, it's it's because he believes that there's going to be a positive reaction from it. And I don't mind the fact that through this difficult run of results, he's generally stuck with a settled setup because it means that players know their roles, they know their responsibilities. Um I think in terms of the Blues squad, I, I think we're a long way off being able to challenge for the top six, partly because of the issues up top, although I would be interested to see what Troy Deeney could do if if he's the lane striker, but certainly his partnership with Scott Hogan, um, there's promising signs from that in the victory over Swansea. I think we've not really got the defensive personnel to challenge for the playoffs. Dion Sanderson, he's a Premier League defender. I, I love him. I think he's brilliant. But I think apart from that, um, you're looking at Mark Roberts and George Friend, uh, who, who you'll be familiar with, played in that 2-1 win over Swansea. And I think although we nullified Swansea to very few chances because of the way we pressed and how good we were off the ball, you could see that if you get uh, Mark Roberts or George Friend in a foot race with an opposing forward that's quick, in, and my, like Michael Obafebi in Swansea's case, there is that element of danger. And I'm sure um, Neil Warnock sort of is looking at that with 
um, Pierre, Martin Pierro's ball playing ability and uh, Andras Sporar as well with his movement. Um, I think you've got potentially two of the best uh, players in the championship in, if you unlock their strengths correctly for Middlesbrough. Um, but for Blues, yeah, Dion Sanderson, as I mentioned, is a key player. And also in midfield, I think we've got a really good midfield of Ryan Woods and um, and Sunich, both uh, strong in the press. Woods especially is good on the ball. He likes to get on the ball and dictate. But we actually beat Swansea with 28% possession. So we're capable of playing in uh, in different ways. And actually pressing and transitions have been uh, a way of getting, getting us some points. Um, really happy with that victory over Swansea. And as for a prediction for this game, I think I'll probably go with a draw. I'll go for a 1-1. Um, but just on Middlesbrough, I personally think that under the right management, you've got the squad in place to challenge for the playoffs. Um, is Neil Warnock the right manager? I'm, I'm not quite sure, but you'd have to say form favours him uh, at the moment. Uh, so I'm going to go for a 1-1 for this one. OK, so thank you very much for that, Gab. Interesting, he said about Neil Warnock there, saying Borough could have a better team without if Neil Warnock was to go. Um, but that, guys, let's, let's break down Birmingham just a, just a little bit more. Dana and Tom, do you want to break them down? Just, just add another layer. Yeah, when I was looking into direct speed, which is the speed in which a player, a player, a team gets the ball up the pitch, they were ranked second behind West Brom, so they are a team and we're third. So it's going to be two teams that want to get the ball up the pitch as soon as possible. And I watched them against West Brom, funnily enough, and it was an awful game from both sides. <clears throat> I think the styles of play from both teams were sort of making it such a... A low quality game and to be honest I'm not gonna lie I had to walk out the room and stop watching the game I was <laughs> it was so poor but um I think this is is going to be a difficult watch if I'm being honest if we sort of revert to type and start to bypass the midfield which is what Birmingham also do to try and get it out to the wide players as quickly as possible then it, it's not going to be a classic um I think it's going to be a I can see it being a low scoring affair but, yeah, they're an interesting team because they started the season really well. I remember Chong was getting a lot of plaudits, quite rightly so, because he's a good player. But, as Gab said, I think their attacking dynamic is maybe it needs brushing up on a little bit. They probably don't have a clinical strike. There's always been question marks over Scott Hogan. Djokovic is good enough, I think, for them. But is he good enough for a team that wants to kick on to that next level? Maybe not. Um, but, yeah, this is going to be a... In an, an interesting tactical affair, but I certainly don't think it's going to be an entertaining game. Okay, Tom, is there anything more to add? Uh, yeah, so in form, they've not been doing particularly well uh, up until the last game yesterday when they beat Swansea 2-1. Uh, before then, nil all draw with Huddersfield, 1-0 loss to West Brom, 3-0 loss to Forest. so obviously Steve Cooper's just had that uh, new manager bounce for them, and a 2-0 <laughs> loss uh, away at uh, QBR, so... Yeah, they're not not being on the best of form, but it might have just picked up yesterday, so uh, they might be on a little bit, have a little bit more confidence coming into our game next week. Mm-hmm. Well, Troy Deeney scored his first goal for his uh, boyhood club. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, and it was sp- from open play. It was from open play as well. And when we spoke to the the Blues breakdown as well, they were also saying around Sarkic and goal, who's who's done very very well. Chong, of course, he's been fantastic, and of course, you know, Troy Deeney is. He's, Naturally, going to get all the headlines. I think with the title caliber of player he has been over the years, coming back down to the championship, 
I think arguably he's going to cause Borough a, a lot of problems. But guys, let, let's do our predictions um, and, and see how we feel about the game then because, you know, like we've been saying these three games this week, they've all, I think if you asked every single Borough fan what how many points you think we'll get this week, I think every Borough fan would probably say we should be trying to get nine points here. Um, but it'll be a bit more of a difficult game, I think, this week. But what are your predictions? I'm going to go, sorry, (laughs) I was reading the form table because it's just interesting to note that Birmingham are 20th in the form table with five points from their last six, just one win in six, actually. Um, So, yeah, their form has tailed off. They did have a good start to the season. I'm probably going to echo Gab's prediction and say one all. Okay, one all. I feel like it's safe to say 2-0 at the moment after the last three games. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm probably going to go with that. I think um, we'll probably try and play through centre midfield as as it's been working for us um, and and not kind of match them up in terms of direct play. So uh, I I feel like it'll be just as effective next week as well. Okay, uh, 2-0, I think draw. I think, yeah, it's going to be... Not, it's not going to be a classic, is it? I don't feel like it ever is against Never. Birmingham, is it? No. Memories of Nugent um, getting sent off. 5-2 before when Mikel Forcell scored. Um, two, that's a name. When uh, was that, 2003? Yeah, could have been. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah, Mikel Forcell and I can't remember who scored for the butter now. Um, Should I, I give it I a think g- we were 2-0 down. Or two one down. I think Nemeth Ma- Macaroni scored. Yeah, that game, didn't he? I think Nemeth scored. Um, oh, I can't remember. It's gonna be a. It's gonna do a and Max score. But then are you quickly. Uh, it's given me Blackburn against Birmingham when I've literally uh, put could, in Middlesbrough. Could, could have been. Oh, was it five three? Five three. Yeah. Five three. Yeah. Five three. You're gonna have to tell me the 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 score is here, dinner because it's gonna absolutely do a Okay. Head. Right. Mendieta. Yeah. Um. Oh my days, this old BBC sport match report. Uh, Mendieta, Macaroni, Mikel Forcell cut the deficit, Gareth Southgate scored, Clinton oh. Morrison scored for them, Macaroni yeah. scored again, and then Nemeth yeah. scored. Let's see, what's, what, what year was that in dinner? It was 2004. Oh, Almost, it was so nearly, close. Nearly, nearly a board breakdown, bingo. Well, guys... <laughs> Thank you very much uh, for joining me as always this week and thank you very much for our listeners as well. We did pass 150 reviews this week so thank you very much for reviewing the podcast and if you if you still think our podcast is fantastic and you haven't reviewed us yet on our podcast on the podcast apps, please do. It helps us get found and charted and help other Borough fans find a, a Borough podcast. But that's pretty much it. Three wins on the spin for Borough. I'm not used to this wins. Uh, I'm not used to Borough winning but this is Borough Breakdown Podcast and that was my master chatter in a pod. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 